This podcast has been brought to you with the support of Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. With a Wise account, you can send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Whether you're traveling through Asia, freelancing in France, or buying that dream property in Oz, Wise is the easy way to connect all your finances internationally. You can even send money home to mum in minutes. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com. Hello, it's September 29 and this is On The Campaign, a daily podcast wrapping all the big stories from the election 2023 campaign trail. I'm Hamish Fletcher and I'll be your host for this episode. The biggest news of the day came courtesy of National, with the party today finally releasing their fiscal plan for how they will pay for their policies. The party is promising a surplus of $2.9 billion by 2027, $800 million more than Labour's surplus, but both are expected to come in the same year. Despite a few more years in the red, the party is sticking to shifting tax brackets to give more money each week to what they call the squeezed middle. National will also reduce budget spending allowances to $3.2 billion next year, $2.85 billion in 2025, and $2.7 billion in 2026 and 2027. The party will reduce spending on benefits by $2 billion over the next four years, which will make up the core of national savings, while there is $700 million set aside to prepare for a potential increase in the prison population as a result of tough-on-crime policies. Here's their finance spokesperson, Nicola Willis. The goal of this fiscal plan is to restore disciplined government spending, to lower taxes uh, and to lead to a path of less debt. In response to the policy, Labour's Grant Robertson said the plan fails to address the gaps in Nationals' tax policy. By doubling down on that and including $537 million from their tax plan, that does not add up to prop up their fiscal plan. Robertson and Labour leader Chris Hipkins has also attacked the plans for cutting money for beneficiaries, saying it will see more children end up in poverty, something Luxon rejects. Benefits is only one part of it. When you start to slug on a fuel tax, for example, that adds $8 a week to filling up a car on average, that doesn't help. When you start to not deal with the housing and the dynamics in the housing market, that doesn't help. The policy also pointed out that National wants to cut the regional fuel tax to help ease cost of living pressures. However, in an exclusive from my Herald colleague Bernard Orsman this morning, Auckland Mayor Wayne Brown is not in favour of that, as removing the revenue raised by this tax would leave a $2 billion hole in Auckland Council's transport budget. As a result, the country's biggest city is looking at rates increases of 13%, which is unlikely to help much with a cost-of-living crunch either. For more on how National's fiscal policy compares to Labour's released earlier this week, here's New Zealand Herald Deputy Political Editor Thomas Coughlin. National's fiscal plan is relatively bold, I think, in terms of the amount of new money it allocates in each budget. Um, the first budget is a few hundred million dollars less than Labor, uh, and then the discrepancy between what Labor would spend and what National spend grows in each subsequent budget. So by um, the end of the term, National will be spending less than $3 billion a year of new spending in each budget, now, whereas Labor promises to spend $3 billion of new spending in the budget. So National quite significantly, you know, that we haven't had um, we haven't had a budget where the oper- new operating spending has a two in front of it, I think, since Labor's first term. I think in 2018, their first budget, they had an operating allowance of 
1.8 billion dollars from memory. So that's that's quite a significant change going back to that that level of spending. Um, it's not quite billingless levels of tightness. Um, it's not it's not certainly not the mother of all budgets. It's not it's it's a very moderate by. Um, recent standards, it's very moderate, but it's it's a significant change from Labour in terms of what that does to the the books. It's actually that's also quite moderate in the first um, in the in the forecast period. So we get eight hundred million dollars more surplus than Labour to pay down debt. That goes to pay down paying down debt. So national national levies are eight hundred million dollar bigger surplus in twenty twenty seven. So they, there's a lower debt track. They save about three billion dollars less debt than Labour. So that build up buffers for future shocks, keeps debt servicing costs low, gives you more options down the track. Um, but I think you know you've got to look at this. As nationals uh, presenting it as sort of a first term package. The key English government, their first term ran much tighter budgets than the first term, really, really aggressively tight budgets. Um, but even then, they didn't really, because the, the government's sort of like an oil tanker, it takes a very hard to turn it around. The, the gulf between national and labour in that first term is always quite narrow. But if you have three terms of national and three terms of labour, then the, cumulatively, the difference is quite large. Elsewhere today, we saw accusations of racism ramp up against the right-leaning bloc. An open letter published in The Herald today, written by multiple Māori leaders, supported Chris Hipkins' stance on calling for an end to race-baiting policies by what they named as NZ First and AT candidates, and asked for Christopher Luxon to do the same. Here's Luxon's response to that. Yeah, I condemn racism in all its form. I do, and so does the National Party. But, but what I would... What I would what I'd say to you is this is Chris Hipkins, frankly, just you know, throwing a whole bunch of stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. And here's what Axe David Seymour had to say. I think people are tired of being accused of racism with no evidence whatsoever when what we actually need is an honest, healthy debate about our constitutional future. For Hipkins' part, he had a fairly relaxed Friday taking a trip to Queensgate Mall in Lower Hutt, where he was mobbed by supporters in his hometown and picked up some words of encouragement. It hasn't been all rosy for Labour candidates this week, with Taranaki King Country candidate Angela Roberts writing on social media that she was slapped by a member of the public after a local debate. In other news, today marked the 21st instalment of the Herald's Mood of the Boardroom, taking the pulse of what CEOs and business leaders around the country think of the state of the government. Today's instalment saw Nicola Willis and Grant Robertson debate ahead of National's fiscal policy announcement. Thomas Coughlin was in the audience. Here's his report on how that went starting with the big talking point from the debate. The big one that um, stood out to me at the end was Nicola Willis coming down very strong against this New Zealand First coalition. We began this week with uh, Christopher Luxon saying, look, I can't rule New Zealand First out effectively. I don't really want to go into coalition with the guy, but if I have to, I will. Um, my preference is a national aid government, so that's the sort of language that he um, he used. Today, Nicola Willis said this, you know, politicians are quite del- deliberate with their language um, and speak very deliberately. Christopher Luxon would use the word intentionally. <laughs> um, and, and Nicola Willis ratcheted up that rhetoric today. She didn't just say, my preference is a national aid government, my preference is this. She said, I do not want to go into government with New Zealand first. I do not want this. And I think why that's significant is that if she does have to go into government with them, and, and the, the polls suggest that that's more likely than the, one of the more likely outcomes of the, of the election, then everyone will know for the rest of the next term that the government that Nicola Willis is the finance minister of is not one that she particularly wants to be in. And I think that's why that, that's why those two have avoided sort of using that, that, that formulation of, of words. Grant Robertson and Nicola Willis, I think, uh, like each other as much as people in those roles ever could. Um, I think they have a grudging respect for one another um, in a way that perhaps Chris Hipkins and Christopher Luxon don't. Um, they, I don't know how long they've known each other for. They've, they worked as staffers together in the 2005 um, 
2002, 2005 term, uh, not together, sorry, in the same, in the building uh, for different sides. So I'm, I, they possibly, you know, bumped into each other at the cafeteria then. And, and then there's this long running relationship after that. And then they obviously ran against each other in Wellington Central for two two elections. Uh, and now they have the same role on opposite sides. And I think there's a grudging respect that both of them are quite good at doing what they do. Grant Robertson is a very good uh, political operative, good finance minister, despite what um, Christopher Lyson and Nicola Willis say, thinks objectively, you know, quite good at his job. Obviously, there's a philosophical difference, but, you know, uh, and then Nicola Willis is objectively a very good politician too and a very good opposition finance spokesperson. And uh, and, and both of them, is, there's quite a, um, a, a good moment there. The final question was Murray Kirkness asking, you know, what do you like about each other? So the one nice thing you can say about each other. And they both did say, quite nice things about each other. Grant Robertson said, you know, Nicola is very smart and um, and is uh, works hard and diligently. And Nicola said that Grant is a sort of kind, well-meaning man and that Grant, when uh, they were running against each other in Wellington Central, obviously Wellington Central is a very left-wing electorate, um, highest number of Green voters in the country, let alone Labour voters. Um, and so a very left left. Uh, aligned electorate, and Grant was always sort of respectful and and kind of decent in those in those um, candidates debates, and she sort of respected that decency because obviously if you're a national candidate in Wellington Central, you're kind of you know kind of hiding to nothing, and so that so that was quite nice. I think that's that's the sort of vibe between them, the vibe in the room, the chief executives, you know, the, the tide's gone out on Labour. The tide was never really in with the boardroom. Labour means Labour, it doesn't mean capital, and uh, you know Grant Robertson uh, today memorably memorably called them I think the Grafton Socialist Club or something. <laughs> quite funny. But uh, but the tide was never really in. The executive wing is is pretty um, hostile to to this government. Today, I don't think there was a winner. I found today's debate there wasn't a winner between Grant Robinson and Nicola Willis. I think um, the leaders' debates between Christopher Luxon and Chris Hipkins have been easy to sort of adjudicate. There's been a clear winner at, at the end of each one of those debates. But I've watched God, I've watched a lot of finance debates this election cycle. It's very evenly matched. I can't um, I can't pick a winner from any individual debate or let alone all of them. I think Nicola Willis is one kind of killer point. One about Grant Robinson sort of consistently loosening the um, the amount of money he allocates in each each budget and the cumulative effect of that change, $2.65 billion to $5.9 billion, and then you know, the next budget does the same, but to, to 2.65 to 4.8. The cumulative effect of those changes has been a large increase in government spending, and that's a very uh, numerically correct and it's a very persuasive argument. You know, at the same time, Grant Robertson comes back with his own sort of defensive of, of where Labour is. Um, obviously, they began this, this term with a lot of um, spending because of COVID, putting the economy on, you know, um, fiscal life support. Um, and then of those of those budget increases that Nicola Willis is attacking, about 70% of them has been for just cost pressures, keeping the lights on. So he kind of comes back and says, well, look, you know, what would you do differently? So it's it's they're kind of locked in that, in a dance on that, on that point. Um, and both of them are sort of very good debaters. And neither of them seems to be able to like strike the killer blow um, because the attack is a very effective and fair one, but the defence is also fair. Thanks to Thomas for his thoughts. Over the weekend, we're expecting to see Chris Hipkins in Auckland on Saturday and Sunday, while Christopher Luxon will spend Saturday in Hamilton and be in Auckland on Sunday. The Greens will be in Auckland on Sunday to announce their fiscal policy. And on Monday, make sure you're tuned to Newstalk ZB from 6am as Christopher Luxon joins Mike Hosking for the first Leaders' Breakfast. And then, at midday, the Herald will be streaming the PM job interview with Chris Hipkins being grilled by our expert panel. In the meantime, this has been On The Campaign. You can follow this podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. For more election 2023 coverage, head to nzherald.co.nz. I'm Hamish Fletcher, and we'll catch you again on Monday for a wrap of the weekend's events.